Hello and welcome to Navigate Change, directions to lead your teams into the next, brought to you by Capgemini Invent. Over the course of the next months, you'll get a practical tool set on leading change in large and complex environments in a fact-driven manner. Spread across five podcasts, you will hear stories of successes and failures, and what we can all learn from them. Today, you'll get a practical examples of how our clients use a concept we call key adoption indicators to navigate through times of transformation. I'm sure you all know that managing the people side of change also requires keeping track of progress. What we've observed is that those organizations that manage change with hard indicators, we call them key adoption indicators, are significantly more successful in landing complex transformation. My name is Christoph and I'm the host for today's episode and I'm very happy to be joined by Hans Enrik, who's our VP for Operational Change Management and has worked with clients exactly with this focus. Hans-Henrik, you now have 25 years of experience in delivering large-scale transformations and making change adoption measurable. Why is it so important to you to put hard numbers in something that is often considered a very soft matter? It's very important to track what we're trying to achieve. Now, the issue of uh, tracking change um, is that we tend to apply classic tools. So measuring, we are see organizations clinch themselves to numbers and you know living the illusion that we can actually plan and track uh, change management progress by using classic tools so you know what we see is that hours spent uh, by change function is being recorded and considered as a degree of completion or deliverables uh, achieved or even money spent so and what we really need to do is to look at how do we record behaviors we can't use classic tools for measuring something as soft as change, change progress. So it's a little like, you know, uh, using a hammer because it's the only thing we have. Uh, it's just that it's nail, it's not nails that we're trying to hammer in this case. So there's something about tools and purpose we've got to look at. All right. So you've mentioned this example of a hammer not being fit for purpose, I understand. Uh, what classic failures come to your mind that people should definitely avoid? So the failures are uh, to solely focus on, for example, money spent. So although there's a good benchmark for what is the appropriate amount of your project budget that should be spent on change to be successful, it's not it's not the real indicator you'll be looking for. Nor is it the, the thing of saying we've got to have our communication plan in place and do the posters or run the video on the internet and so on. That's just, you know, ticking boxes according to a plan. It's not a guarantee that you have an impact the more intelligent ones uh, say, well, let's measure if we had a reach. So this might be a global project. Did we have a reach to every country, to every division and so on? But you're not measuring the impact. So, you know, um, using standard tools uh, and uh, to to uh, to measure uh, how, what the change of impact, uh, what the impact on, on changes um comes down to there's a belief if I do this I'll have that impact Um, and we struggle basically again and again to track change from a people's perspective so we need to look at it from a different angle. All right so we all know I believe that change is a very individual process for every person involved so we need to tailor the tools and methods we use that's what I understand you say. How would you suggest our listeners to a make the individual's process uh, progress tangible and B, aggregate these on a team or even organizational level to make it a bit less soft? 
Well, it's probably a wise first step to say that change has different um, aspects and has different uh, levels to it. And um, we look at A, what is mindset? How do people think? And B, how do they actually behave? And once we begin to do that, we can begin to look at how do we measure mindset? How do we measure behavior? And we, we do define this into what we call key adoption indicators. And the good key adoption indicators, we can even drive down to the individual, not only the impacted group. And being down to on the individual, we can aggregate up again and then get a good idea of how large a pop- uh, percentage of the targeted population have we actually um, impacted, uh, are we achieving change progress on. Okay, but where do we actually get the data that we can use to quantify progress? Data, well, the best source, uh, the best source to get data on um, how is change progress um, catching on is actually with the people themselves. And the best practice is obviously to have somebody from within the populations to collect and track how are they changing. So what we typically do is that we ask superiors of teams or a key change person who gets trained and coached uh, to collect data. And they also get coached on how to reflect on the data that they collect because they are the ones who need it. And even better, uh, the data gets far more trusted uh, as in contrast to something you collect on a large population from an electronic survey. So data you collected yourself, that you need yourself, which is about yourself, has such a different quality uh, to it than something that you have reflected on a large uh, population in a more, let's say, anonymous uh, report. Hmm. Okay, so uh, let me take this back a few seconds. Uh, before you've mentioned that you you consider uh, looking at change in two dimensions, you've mentioned mindset and behavior. Um, give us a bit more background. How do they relate? Do they come together? Does one lead the other? Uh, yes, that's exactly it. So, so talking about key adoption indicators, um, and, uh, and I mentioned uh, dividing it into mindset and uh, behavior, it works the following way. You need to work with the mindset before you can track a change in behavior. So first you you work with stages of mindset like we propose as a classic. Has the impacted group heard about the change? Has as a next step is have they understood it? Have they had a chance to reflect on 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 points and have they accepted it? And that at that point, all concerns must have been clarified. And so, so getting people from having heard through to accepted that couple of stages and, and breaking down to that uh, on mindset makes it measurable. The same goes for behavior, which follows after the, you achieved a satisfactory mindset basis for real change. And so in, so moving to behavior, it becomes a point of have they tried out whatever the new world is? Have they approached it? Have they met the new people they work with, the new process, or have they had hands on on a new function that they need to handle? This is you know trying it out. That's where you see the first uh, bit of behavior, and at the end of it is of course, do I live um, this um, 
new way of working? Do I exercise this behavior each and every day as if I'd done nothing else my whole life? You know, that's when the change is perfect and complete. Now, the point I'm making is that splitting change up into maturity stages makes it measurable. And you can already recognize that just moving down some of these stages is a big achievement. Yeah? And that helps a lot because many organizations believe it's only by the ultimate stage where people already live it that change has been achieved completely. No, that's not so. You're already productive the way the minute that people have been informed. So understanding that um, helps change progress and helps generating momentum. Right. So um, we all know that change is a process. It's, it's taking steps and, and using these steps and naming them, I understand, really helps. So what you actually suggest is you use key adoption indicators to find key key things that we can use to identify are we actually having impact or not and use maturity stages to, to track the progress. Uh, but in the end, we, we look to achieve a change for the business uh, in terms of, uh, for example, more sales or more efficient processes or such like. Uh, how does this help me getting actual business adoption? Isn't the actual business change purely depending on behavioral changes? I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, uh, Christoph, because it's really about business adoption. And it's really about what makes a difference in the everyday life for the organization, in the work that they generate, that they earn their, their living from. So you've got to specify um, and you need business to help specify what are the key desired behaviors that you want to achieve over time and embed that in the organization. So, you know, um, I was very lucky to uh, work with a large global organization in uh, goods forwarding. And here, here we were putting in a new uh, sales system and imagine a client calling up and being helped by a, a person who says, okay, so you want to send what from where to where? Okay, we'll into that um, and you know up comes uh, new functions like this person seems to be uh, sending I don't know diggers from Belgium to China uh, exactly this time of year ask if there are diggers in there and you know systems intelligent systems artificial intelligence makes this possible lots of new functions so it's very much up to the person handling the system with this information while the client is online and exercising exactly the right behavior of the thing. So, okay, at this time of the year, you are likely to send diggers to uh, China um, because of the season, building, whatever. But uh, we'd like to offer you uh, a contingency for a special price. If you want to make use of this within the next week, we can offer it at the following price. Um, do we have a deal? Now, it takes people who understand the business, who understand the process, uh, lots of things, but it takes this behavior to, to get to the benefits of all the new wonderful technologies that we deploy. So that's why I'm saying we've got to be clear on what are the exactly key design behaviors, the right steps uh, that create value um, over various stages, we, we need to get them specified so we can begin to measure them. Um, and that helps a lot directing. And uh, that makes it very convenient to have these key adoption indicators for the business. Um, and it helps shape the behavior to an increasingly level of uh, change readiness. 
Right, and this specific scenario, the behavior will be to to basically cross or upsell uh, on opportunities that that they have, which is actually creating business value. So, so I like this example. Um, you, you make it sound telling us this. You make it sound so easy and simple, but I assume you too have experienced struggles and failures. Um, how can I be sure that the key adoption indicators I chose represent what's actually going on in my organization, that people are ready to adopt, e.g. new technologies? Are there specific tells for conflicts I should look out for? Yeah. So, um, again, um, you need to be clear about what do you want to measure, what's critical for the organization. And so, so as much as we have a, a, a library are very relevant uh, key adoption indicators, you would always individualize it uh, somewhat to achieve the optimal uh, business benefits. Um, and break it down um, into what's critical at what stage. So key adoption, uh, key adoption indicators will change oh, as your transformation takes place. Uh, some become more important as others will go in the background. So, so uh, how I've seen it done uh, was that we, for a large uh, chemical corporate, uh, we looked at they needed to understand the vision, very important, uh, because it was not clear. And so we simply began measuring the vision. Now, as that was achieved, increasingly, okay, so what's my role in the new work environment? That key adoption indicator became much more important. And I think, uh, Christoph, it's about... Um, that you monitor what you're trying to achieve clearly and then you take actions. So you said, how can I be certain? Well, the point is, uh, if you see we have not progressed on the understanding of people's understanding of this role in the new environment and we are not there where we want to be, you know, in, in four weeks from now, people are being going to be invited for, uh, I don't know, trainings and they're just not there then you know you need to reinforce um and that's why we that's why we measure so we measure are we on track or do we need to put more energy into it um and that's why manager matters yeah so so who should take action it's not somebody in a central project team alone in an ivory tower it's really those who need the change to take place and it's typically those who are responsible for this in the future, namely the managers uh, of the various teams, the various processes or technologies. They need to be on top of this. They need to interpret the numbers. They need to think, how can we do this? And so it's not so much about, again, an electronic survey or a large population. Uh, it's about uh, the data being used exactly where they need it with the managers. And uh, but what may help um, say as opposed to uh, electronic survey is to put um, the progress of all teams of all groups of all divisions into intranet so you know how are we progressing on understanding the vision or uh, are we accepting our new roles etc and as you can see the green lights go up all over there's an incredible momentum in an organization surely there's a social pressure on keeping up with the rest but there's also a good opportunity for managers to uh, let's say bilaterally uh, work with their peers and say how did you do it because i seem to have some issues and this helps a lot unleashing a lot of change energy into an organization so the real task becomes preparing the middle management and you've got to do this by a very strict system and you need to 
coach and train the managers and give them a chance to think hard about what to look for, what's the behavior, what's, what are the things I need to interpret. That's the key. All right. So you already started to dig into this. Uh, let's just say we see people not being productive in the new environment. How would you suggest to fix this and dig into the reasons behind people not accepting or not supporting the change? What role do manage, uh, middle managers play there? We see that those organizations that master change well, they have a very strong degree of involvement of the middle managers and I tend to say those who do this right they are always successful because I've seen it statistically in reality and, and I am a practitioner does it always work not quite so it works generally on an organizational level but you will find pockets of um, departments or managers that are struggling and to progress on change. And that can be very individual reasons why they're doing that. And um, But how do you know who they are? Well, if you're applying your key adoption indicators, you will quickly be able to spot where are the weak points in the whole uh, hierarchy uh, of uh, managers, where the weak points, which are the ones, the departments that don't seem to progress, and you can identify the gaps. And that's very helpful. And I had a, I had several experiences with that. And there was one particularly story again with the same chemical corp, uh, where the CEO had a lunch with a key person in the project, who um, who complained about uh, a new technical um, interface that would that would change everything and so on and and. Um, the CEO uh, complained uh, in the steering committee that the project didn't work. Uh, the, this is this doesn't this doesn't uh, this is not accepted. The, it's 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 a mindset thing, and the change program needs to be done all over again. And we were lucky enough to have good data to say uh, where did you pick up this issue, and we could point pinpoint to it. Well, that's exactly one of our spots that are behind that are struggling to progress and the ceo said oh is that so and we had the opportunity to tell the ceo all the other ones that are actually doing pretty well can we please um uh, have your help to direct this person because you seem to have a special connection that worked very well and so instead of uh following the ceo um let's say uh, excited reaction to redo the change program for the entire organization and it, that that would have been inappropriate because it was really just about one particular spot and we were able to almost in a surgery like way go in and help exactly at that time uh, point and the ceo was of course very happy to contribute because it was clear to everyone what the issue was but we could prove it by numbers because we had used key adoption indicators and we could point to a particular gap and um, yeah, that's that's a wonderful case. All right. So taking this example, um, uh, maybe going a bit further there, how do we get continued support even when people signal resistance to senior leadership? Uh, I believe we'll need a strong and unwavering leadership to drive forward, right? Yes. So um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry for having focused so strongly on on middle management because it is really key, but. Change has to be driven from the top. Nothing has changed about that. It's, it continues to be 
the golden rule. Um, but everything's relative. So even the top management, I mean the C-suite, even they have people uh, reporting to them. And and so it's their job of the C-suite to drive change with their next lower level of people reporting to them. And they, in turn, are also leaders for others whom they need to pick up with. So you become... Um, you become an effect of a cascaded momentum. So you have one hierarchical layer picking up the next. And that's important to understand because we see again and again uh, in our surveys around the globe that people need to hear what to change from their leader, from their superior. The mistake that we do sometimes nowadays is that technology enables the CEO to communicate with everyone. We will change the way we work. We will acquire our competitor or whatever uh, big things and that are being broadcasted to everyone. And that's basically doing something terrible. That's managing past the middle management. You need to communicate uh, through your middle management. You cannot bypass them. Because what happens when you do that and broadcast to everyone is that who have the questions? Some staff out there have questions and they turn to, who do they turn to? They turn to their direct superior and say, I heard that we're all changing. What is this all about? Now imagine that this person has not been briefed and is not clear on it. Well, I have to say, I'm sorry. I don't know either. And this is the beginning of resistance. This is the beginning of organizations that don't have information passing well. So um, you, we depend on involving uh, middle management. Um, this is the precondition for success, even in the digital era. Thank you for mentioning this. Uh, winning and hiring middle management for the change is critical. And we will de definitely dig deeper into this, uh, how to achieve this uh, in our third podcast. Last question for today, and it might just be the most important one to many of our listeners. When do I know that the change will actually stick? <laughs> yes, uh, uh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So, so you know, we, if we've got the system all up and running with our key adoption indicators, we are... Um, all managers are aware uh, what to measure and what to look for and we're cascading the stuff down. When do we know that this system works? We know it from when you're out there observing that managers and let me say it again, middle managers work out there with their teams, with their staff, with their groups, uh, leading them into the future and you see them work hard, uh, maybe struggle. Uh, on how do we take our people forward. There seem to be concerns and uh, it's not as easy as I thought and um, the questions are hard and, and, and trying to take them forward. But, you know, when you see them out there working with the teams, driving change maturity to the next level, then it works. And why is it hard? Well, change is hard. It's hard because these managers do it for the first time. And, you know, we coach them, we help them, we give them material, they know what to do and so on. But if you do these things for the first time, of course, it's not easy. But over time, uh, you see such an organization picking up on changing and how to convey 
the next level of change or maturity and you begin to have every manager moving from being let's say a classic uh, administrator to become a real leader leading the teams into the future so you actually have each manager become a change manager and if you have that you actually have an army of managers in your organization isn't that wonderful <laughs> it is thank you for that hans henrik it's been a pleasure talking to you thanks for sharing your experiences and underlining why organizations that manage change with hard indicators are more successful in transforming uh, to our audience, I hope you've got some valuable practices you can apply during your daily work. We will share even more with you on our next episode coming on November 8th, and uh, in which we will talk about the magic that happens when your leadership embodies the same vision. So click on subscribe to our podcast and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. You will find our LinkedIn and Twitter handle in the description. Thank you again, Hans-Henrik, for your time and valuable insights. <laughs>